everyone to this Sunday Live. I'm kind of changed my setup a little bit here in the studio, so I'm hoping audio is is kind of okay. So um, I've been using in-ears for a little while, and that was going pretty well. And um, thank you. And uh, so, um, but I've been experimenting with trying to work a little bit on um, figuring out how to kind of do the studio monitors again and experimenting with bringing back the backing tracks and stuff. Oh, thanks. Good to hear, John. And um, so I'm going to um, talk a little bit about a tune that um, some of the members have been working on, um, and that is uh, YouTube members. Um, and that is uh, But Beautiful. So I'm going to improvise a little bit on the chord changes, and then I, I might give some, some tips and things on... Um, playing voicings and kind of harmonizing melody notes, things, things like that. So I'm gonna change my view here. So there are a few things um, that um, are just kind of a few few voicings and, and choices that I, I, I 
wanted to include here just then um, in order to um, illustrate some of the things that I'll be talking about uh, today. And um, so uh, one of the reasons I, I chose this tune, and um, um, aside from just being a really great tune, uh, but beautiful, um, is that uh, Jimmy Van Heusen used this particular progression in quite a few of his compositions or the, the segment I'm going to talk about right now, which is to play, um, let's say, a one chord and then have this kind of two five to the two chord and then a two five to the three chord or maybe even back to the one chord from one one over three here and then another little bit of a variation uh, of that is to take rather than doing the two fives um, is to take a um, a diminished chord which might be kind of a maybe a slightly older style but it's still it's still really cool I think and um, um, so you kind of walk up like that so one thing that we talked about was um, what it, what is the relatedness between uh, this let's say G sharp diminished and the um, so this kind of one chord there that we're thinking about um, versus the two chords that make up the two five progression so one thing that's kind of interesting about it is that if you were to take the, let's say this is a, let's say we take this E7 flat nine. So this is E7 flat nine. I'm gonna go over the fingerings a little bit in case you, you need those. So I'm uh, playing finger one uh, over, I'm barring strings two, three, and four, okay? So mainly trying to pluck that um, second string and that fourth string. And then uh, second finger on string five, fret seven, third finger on um, string three, fret seven. Okay, so that's E7, flat nine. Okay. So that's the that's the five to one. So sort of what's known as a secondary dominant. So we're in the key of G, but we're going, you know, five, one in A minor. So, okay. So I'm not gonna get in that, that too much, but I'm sure there are a lot of questions about that. But um, the, um, I have explained that a little bit in some other videos, um, but kind of the main point I wanna focus on here is, um, is this. So. What if we do, what if you take, and maybe you can even play this along with me. So we have this part. What if we took this note for comparison's sake and, and took it down here? You may have noticed on some of the other progressions, I, I actually left it there. So this is, um, this is a diminished seventh chord, B diminished seven. And, and so it's the same, same thing that we did a moment ago, but I just took the second finger over over to here, right? Right. So doesn't that shape 
look an awful lot like that G sharp diminished that I was kind of having substitute for the, the whole two five, right? Now, kind of the reason for that is that um, when you look at all of the inversions for a diminished seventh chord, um, it's kind of unique because they're all the same shape, right? So you might even call these by different names. You might say, okay, G sharp diminished, B diminished, D diminished, F diminished. So I'm just taking that one shape, moving it three frets at a time. So that particular um, chord is uh, symmetrical. So all minor third intervals. So, so that's one way. Okay, so it's a similar sound. It's a it's related by sound. It's it's a similar kind of sound, right? So we have one note difference. So let's take a moment to um, check out the the chord that came before it, which was the B minor seven flat five. Let me go over that with you too for folks who may not be familiar with it. Uh, it's finger one on string two, uh, fret six. Finger two on string six, fret seven. Finger three on string four, fret seven. And finger four on string three, fret seven. Forgive me if I get got any of those mixed up. I hope I didn't because I want it. I want you to be able to get it. Um, so if you haven't done this one before, or if it's still, still fairly new, just understand that it's it's a little bit uncomfortable for the hand to play in the fingers. At least I find. But we need to know it just as well as anything else. So let's let's compare this one, right? So we compared E seven flat nine to B diminished seven. Let's compare this. This one has another name, B minor seven flat five. It can you can also call it um, uh, B half diminished. So that gives us a little clue that we're not that far away. Um, and that and the name is a little misleading because half you you'd think half of the notes were different, but um, but it's not. We're just gonna take this one note here and lower it, okay, and then. That's the B diminished. All right, so just a one note difference. So that's where you could take, and again, this, of course, this one, we could view it as an inversion or, or just something that has all the same notes as, as this one. So when I play G, into that, so that's the that one variation with the diminished, just one chord there, um, and then and then there's the um, the G going to the two five, right? So so um, so that's there's a kind of interesting uh, relationship there. I'm gonna take take a sip of coffee here. This is a pretty cool mug uh, one of my students gave me for um, for Christmas. 
he's really into the Beatles. Um, and I like the Beatles. So, uh, so pretty cool mug. Um, I've done a couple videos on, um, on some Beatles tunes. I think I, I, I did, um, uh, Blackburn. I did a melody video for that. And I did, uh, the kind of steel guitar, steel string guitar video. I think I put that on a different channel though. Um, so that's a fun one. So a bunch of those tunes, I think there are a couple even in the real book, like, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Michelle maybe. Um, and I think, I think some, some yesterday, uh, I think that one might be in there. And, um, but a lot of really cool tunes, Eleanor Rigby. I used to play that one a bunch. Um, and I did a video on that one. Um, so that's a really cool one. I should do a video on, um, yesterday. That would be really cool. I used to play that one live as well. And, um, um, in a little hotel outside of Seattle. And people loved it every time I played that, that tune. It's really cold here in the in the studio, and I'm not particularly warmed up. So uh, I'm gonna try to play as much as I can. I always have to, you know, this is something like I'm sure can help folks out there too. Is uh, playing within the limits that you currently have, you know, and some of those are just weather conditions, uh, um, and uh, whether or not you've kind of warmed up and stuff. Um, so John says the Beatles equals the reason he started playing guitar in 1964. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So many, so many great tunes and, um, you know, I think they did so much for, for guitar, you know, um, just having, a, um, you know, just kind of creating that excitement, like, Oh, well, play that tune and everything. All right, so I'm going to noodle a little bit. Let me know if you have any questions or anything, but um, I'm going to start talking a little bit about um, maybe harmonizing some melody. Originally, I thought this morning I was, I thought I'd warm up a little bit and uh, um, um, play it a little bit more, but... Uh, it's been really cold here. I'm I'm on the East Coast these days, and uh, it's been just really really cold, like in the teens. And uh, so all last week, I basically just kind of stayed out of the studio. This studio is my my kind of my basement studio um, with uh, the green screens and stuff. And so uh, um, it it gets really cold down here. And uh, so, but uh, supposed to warm up today, but. All right, so maybe I'll, I'll just kind of go through it. Um, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll noodle around a little bit with, with it, maybe do some single lines. 
And uh, um, if you want to ask any questions about anything or anything, I could kind of give my take on, um, you know, music is a real kind of humbling, humbling thing to, to work on and pursue. Um, so I'll, uh, um, you know, give my, my best take on it. Some folks, sometimes folks ask me about some scales. I'm like, Whoa, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think someone asked me about what was the name of it. And sometimes I don't, you know, even quite know the name, but I think it was like this kind of scale. And they were saying, they were asking me about melodic, melodic major. Um, and if I just were to take that, that the name of that and, you know, just take that as, you know, in its literal value, I would, I would think, you know, to me, melodic major would just kind of be the major scale. But I, you know, I researched it. And so folks were talking about this scale. Um, which is, um, I guess one of the modes of the, um, melodic minor. So, um, so anyhow, but if you have any questions, let me, let me know and I'll give you my, my take on it. Um, so I'll play around a little bit with, uh, with about beautiful and, uh, hopefully I'll get a w little warm up in the process. Thanks for checking this out. <laughs> So just to get back a little bit to um, some of the some of the themes and what I was thinking about with this tune as being, um, you know, really kind of an instructive. And I've talked about this quite a bit at various times on the channel. And, and that is to take a take a, a two chord. So let's say this B minor seven flat five. Let me walk you through this in case, in case it's helpful. Um, so first finger on string two. Fret six, 
finger one on string four, fret seven. Finger three on string three, fret seven. And finger four on string one, fret seven. So, so this is the um, third inversion of a B minor seven flat five. Another way to kind of look at it is take that, that chord that we had a moment ago, root position, take this note on string six up two octaves, leave everything else in place, and that's what we have. So it's sort of an interesting and kind of cool phenomenon that when we go to the five chord, so this is B minor seven was a two chord, we go to the E7 flat 9, the 5 chord, we can play this diminished 7th chord. I don't want to make this overly complicated, but I'm going to name some things, but just, just know that, that that's this type of chord. But you, if, if you took it for its, um, its root note there, that's, uh, that's a G sharp. So you can say, okay, that's G sharp diminished. We put that over the E, so over just means that those notes are higher, and then have a low E, so then we can say, okay, that's an E7 flat 9. So what's kind of cool is that any inversion of B minor 7 flat 5 will kind of resolve itself to that, that same kind of shape of the diminished chord. So notice that these um, these diminished chords here, so let's say this, this one, bring this all over E. Notice these are all the same four, four notes actually, and the same shape, they're just kind of scrambled around. That's why maybe in some some kind of older older movies, um, you can even hear this kind of maybe not exactly that technique, but you know you kind of get the idea of you know it's sort of you know build suspense like something's gonna happen right, and then kind of kind of resolves so. So this is an interesting kind of kind of phenomenon where you say, okay, B minor seven flat five to E seven, but we're using this diminished chord. B minor seven flat five to this diminished chord here. Another thing that's that's kind of cool, and let's listen to how this kind of sounds if is if you play um, So what I'm what I'm doing there is is playing just the the root of the five chord, and then I'm allowing this uh, this chord um, so somewhere kind of in between that B minor seven flat five and the and the E seven. So it's really kind of an E seven 
sus flat nine and then you bring in the third so that gives us a little like kind of intermediary sort of chord that's not quite um not quite the b half diminished and it's not quite the e7 flat nine but you can kind of choose that that one root so um so then it you know it gives you a couple of different options so when we're um you know thinking about that that chord change you might play and decide to play more of a diminished sound and then now you could take that diminished down, maybe play another inversion and kind of encircle that chord, right? So that's a pretty um, kind of neat, neat thing to try too. Or you can take this and play B minor seven flat five to E seven flat nine, and then go to the A minor. Or like what I was, I was just saying. Um, you well, you could go to also do the straight straight to the five of the two. So you go. Right, so you get all of that, and then what I mentioned earlier is another option. You know, you go. and then we have maybe that sus. Kind of depends on what what motions and what sounds. So John says jazz. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly um, right. Yeah, if I understand you um, correctly, yeah, that's that's sort of we're improvising, uh, we're making different choices and uh, and kind of tying in our our taste or or what the moment kind of kind of provides. And and that's a fun thing about jazz and playing jazz and um especially with with other folks if you have a jazz guitar jazz guitar friend um in the area or or someone maybe even play out with um or just play around for fun um is to kind of keep your ear out for or maybe those little different options you know you're like following the changes and um maybe changing uh changing a couple things around. So another another thing um, um, we've been doing it, uh, with the YouTube members, um, which is is grown in a pretty pretty decent community. Um, really happy with the direction it's been it's been going. Um, but um, another another little thing is is which we try to check out some some musicians on a particular tune and see what they're doing a little bit, and so we checked out Earl Clue and if you get a chance there's um, there's a um, a transcription out there I think it's by another YouTuber um, who has quite a quite a really nice following um, I have to look him up again um, but. Uh, but so I found his transcription and we talked a little bit about it and um, kind of the purpose is a little bit more to, to pull concepts more so than 
really to actually play and try to learn that um, as a as an arrangement. But some um, some pretty interesting things there too. So another thing tying into um, John's comment on jazz there is um, is we can in, insert chord changes into, into some things. So maybe rather than sitting on this for four beats and then moving to this for two each, maybe play something like um, G for two beats and then have a little kind of passing chord uh, or something a little bit of movement in the bass, right? You could take a couple of perspectives on that. But um, you could say, okay, maybe take G major and make it minor for a moment. Now there's there's one of those things that we just talked about. But essentially, what Earl Clue was doing was take, taking something like um, a G major seven. Let me change my screen here. G major seven, and then playing this. So like a C13, but third inversion. So you get this, and then over to this kind of chord. But kind of that concept is, you know, take something, or rather, you know, and, and maybe insert a chord, a chord change there. Um, another little takeaway that um, we we had there um, from from Earl Clue is the idea of creating motion with within a chord. So you could create motion by inserting new chords between other chords. Um, you can create motion within a within a chord. So you could take a minor, for example, and maybe around with different tones that are so you have a minor seven but maybe have a moment where it's a minor major seven and another really kind of cool thing um and i i'm not playing i am sort of playing some of the specifics but um but just a little more conceptual here but um but playing open strings um so if we're, if we're on a guitar you know sometimes i think we start to pull away a little bit from the open strings um, because we want to learn all these uh, different chords and things all over the neck and maybe get independent of the open strings. But um, we can also use those open strings to make really, really cool chord sounds, um, especially up in this area of the neck where we can get some half steps and things. So when, one of the voicings, and this is probably not the exact voicing, but... Um, or he he play he played something like this, um, these two notes kind of together. So maybe something like something like this, I think. So wow, what a what a kind of cool cool chord. How can you get this tone and this tone, these two notes ringing against each other without kind of overextending the hand in some way? You know, I could kind of do this, you know, and maybe get this over here. That's really kind of hard to do um plus open string sound different so you can say okay 
Um, we'll play that. And that sounds kind of cool, right? And we get this B and then B down here. Right? So there's some um, pretty cool concepts um, derived. I think that's so important, um, you know, to um, take. And I had a really good question of, uh, quite a few weeks ago on um on just like learning tunes and um so it sort of reminds me to to think about um sharing how i've learned tunes and and how i continue to learn tunes um and that is to um take ex examples of of what what uh, other folks do and and have done um and also just to think about the the lineage you know of of guitarists and recorded music at this point in time we have so much documentation i mean on the one hand it's sort of unfortunate that we don't have um more documentation you know of the classical period and recorded music um or other things but at at this point we have a pretty decent size of uh um recorded music so you know like a couple of week weeks ago we were listening to um charlie christian and um uh, the rose room solo which by the way i i plan to do a video on um and then this week we're looking at and listening well i'm listening so I, hopefully other folks are listening too um but um you know listening to that those recorded samples and stylistically you know what has changed and and um uh you know what what folks note choices are and and things like that so um so anyhow you know kind of getting to um listening listening to tunes listening to how folks do certain things so um that's what we tend to focus a little bit more on in overview and analysis um is doing a little bit of analysis um, in general, an overview of tunes, but also analyzing folks and, and their playing um, and getting a sense for you know, what to do or what we can do. Or, um, you know, sometimes music, it's, it's sort of a cultural thing too. So um, we might think, uh, you know, what, you know, what we want to, want to try, you know, and, and, and go ahead and try it. And then, you know, to some extent, you know, what, what are, how is that going to be received in contemporary, you know, in the contemporary, uh, consciousness of, of music. Um, so, you know, when we think about someone, um, you know, contemporary, like Earl Clues had a pretty long career career at this point, but, um, um, you know, we can, we can kind of take license a little bit, you know, sometimes is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, all right. John says, good tip on the open strings. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great sound. It's a really great way, you know, to, to get some dissonance going. Um, and dissonance is, is not, you know, like, kind of a, a bad thing like some some of the, sometimes dissonance can be very like a pretty sound 
um, you know, especially with major sevens, minor, minor major sevens. Right, it's like we have this, um, say A minor major seven here. You know, how can we maybe tie in some more open strings? So I've got this A open, let me share my, share my neck here. So we could probably, you know, you say, oh, I could make that open. And then I could say, okay, well, I want to maybe keep this note in. And well, that's kind of a cool sound, right? So let me um, show you that in case, or let me explain that in case you uh, are interested in trying it out. So string two, fret three, finger one. And then just a reminder, we're going to play the first string open. And then finger three, string three, fret five. Finger four, string four, fret six. And then we're strumming five strings. You know, what a kind of cool sound there. Uh, one thing I was checking out too, um, I was, I, I, if you've seen some of my live streams from the past, um, like over the summer, maybe it was late summer, um, uh, I picked up a copy of um, Matheny's uh, classical piece, uh, Road to the Sun, which included uh, the ensemble and also the solo pieces. So I was taking most, most, Mostly looking at the uh, solo pieces and, um, you know, his use of open strings on that and, you know, moving all these shapes up the neck and just kind of getting these open strings going, you know, especially third string, you know, maybe fourth string. Um, um, so it's just a really kind of, kind of cool sound, um, you know, to make those arpeggios and get that whole thing. Um, kind of going. All right, so maybe a couple of updates. Um, it's been a little bit slow on the uh, production side of uh, of videos, and um, um, so it's really on the forefront of my mind to um, get some more videos and things out. Um, it's just, um, it's been a kind of tough couple of weeks, maybe four weeks. Um, and um, I was watching, uh, or I was just um, noticing videos coming out with other YouTubers. Um, I don't know if anybody follows Rick Beato here, um, but I occasionally watch some of his videos and he's had some really important interviews and um, he's very knowledgeable about about music theory and and, and guitar and piano and everything. Um, so I just noticed that he like live streamed for something like five hours on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, so might get to that point sometime. I don't know. We'll see. But um, got young kids right now, and uh, so I know he does have kids too. But I think I think his kids may be a little older than mine, um, or I have at least one 
one uh, younger kid that is uh, uh, not not as independent. My older one is kind of breaking away or wanting to break away, <laughs> wanting to hang out with the friends, you know, peers and stuff. Um, but anyway, um, I, I will be, uh, I have some kind of technical things I need to do, uh, with my websites, I think this, this week, but hopefully, um, hopefully midweek or so I will have a new video out. Um, let's explore this a little bit, a little bit more. Let's check this out some, um, so it's nice to have that low root note on that A. Let's just see if we can kind of make some stuff up. Um, so one thing that's kind of interesting about guitar is that once once you get, so you have A here and A here, so it's one of our unison notes. Um, let me make sure I'm not ignoring anybody. Um, live, other live platforms. looking good okay i just want to make sure no one commented and i'm not responding um so once you get above this tone here you know you you have a higher note than this one right so that can still be a little bit muddy there but um you can play this tone up here you can play major seven Kind of getting high up there now, so, so you might say, okay, major seven, maybe the fifth, maybe the uh, maybe the six. Um, gonna run out of fingers here soon. Um, maybe the nine. Oh, that's kind of hard to do. Anyway, you kind of get the idea. Um, you can you can take these um, different tones and. So there we get the nine, so, so that's kind of cool. So let's say you take a shape like that and say, okay, kind of like that, try to memorize it. So if you're interested in this, I'll, I'll point these out. So finger one on, on fret one, finger two, or sorry, finger one, fret 10, string one, string two would be open. Uh, finger two on string three, fret eleven. Finger four on string four, fret fourteen. So that's kind of cool. Like that. So you can say, okay, maybe I like the sound here, and uh, what was I playing down here? Something like that, and then maybe switch around and. That'd be kind of cool too. All right, everybody, I'm gonna hang out for a few more minutes. Um, hope everybody's enjoyed this talk. Provide some uh, tips and things. So, um, 
a couple of things I want to do. I want to do this Rose Room solo by Charlie Christian. Um, uh, Tony, hi, Tony. How's it going? Thank you. Tony says, good work. Shalom from Brazil. Thanks, Tony. Welcome. Um, and I want to do some more um, uh, Brazilian tunes. So speaking of of Brazilian uh, Brazil. Um, another little kind of takeaway, which we talked about, um, and the um, as we are checking out real clue um, is a concept of kind of changing a chord quality. So let's say you're playing G and then we get this C7, which you're kind of putting in there and then maybe playing um, B minor seven flat five. Now what happens when you play a B minor seven flat five? So if you want to check this out with me, um, put this out. So, uh, Finger one on string one, fret one. Okay. Um, finger two on string five, fret two. Uh, finger three on string three, fret two. And finger four on string two, fret three. So that's actually the same same shape that we. Well, it's not the same shape, sorry, but it's the same same notes. So if we kind of survey these and try to listen and try to recall those, that's the same thing here. Okay. Now, what if we keep all that and then we add this D sharp here? Right, we get this really dense kind of chord, and then you might ask yourself, is that a flat four? Or is the whole chord more like a um, B7 uh, sharp nine flat five? Right. That's that's sort of an interesting uh, topic too, because if you have a um, you have a uh, a scale, let's say B, let's say you're doing B or working with B, and you have the uh, the altered scale. Um, another name for that is the super locrian. So it kind of makes sense that a minor seven flat five super locrian that you know because we're hopefully um, if you're not no problem but um, um, locrian right has that flat five and the flat third so if you're, if you're not familiar with that try to try to familiar familiarize yourself with that but the super locrian if you kind of go just go by the numbers 
Um, so root, flat nine, flat three, flat four, flat five, flat six, flat seven, and then back to the root. So kind of from a purely, um, I hate to use that word, but um, from a more like kind of theoretical by the numbers sort of thing, um, you're going to use the seven, the seven notes, right? But usually in context, we, we think about the, the D there as a, as a sharp nine, you know, in the context of like a B altered. So it's have okay, a flat nine, sharp nine, three. And then, um, um, so then we have, or sorry, yeah, so root, flat nine, sharp nine, three. So we have two names for that. Then we, and then we say, okay, well, we could call this a sharp four. Okay, well, then we could, then we might call this sharp five and flat seven. So notice we lost a number there. So there are certain circumstances where the um, kind of the theoretical part that kind of uh, has some a little kind of maybe anomalies like that, or you might say with the ear, it's going to tell you maybe something a little bit different. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
check out this chord a little bit this is kind of a cool chord uh <clears throat> you take um let's say finger one on string three fret two finger two on string six fret three and finger Say finger four is probably the most comfortable. Finger four on string four, fret four. And then we get those open strings again. Kind of cool. So that's, that's the chord that I ended on. And I was playing around a little bit with the A over the G. And then maybe putting this one makes it a little more consonant sort of six nine there and then the sharp 11 there and then but you could play like this with this you could also play this which is gives you a lot big full chord you get the fifth seven nine three eighteen what if we did this in that one I'll, I'll point that out so that's finger one on string three fret two finger two on string six fret three finger three on string five fret four and then finger four on string four fret four and then all these strings it's pretty cool get a lot of uh, a lot of tones there um, a lot of unique tones what do we get like six we also 
kind of mix those up too. I never got very fluent with this, but maybe I'll try to work on it. But the idea of doing some of those um, um, artificial harmonics, kind of cool. Set the string in motion. Um, and you kind of um, do, um, do the harmonic plucking with the thumb, hold the harmonic. Other than, so you could pluck with the thumb on the string, touch the, the string without pressing it down, just kind of hear the difference there. Um, I used to do that when I when I played some, especially solo guitar, kind of casual restaurant sort of things. Um, I would say kind of end, it's kind of a nice ending sort of thing. Um, but, uh, sort of, sort of inspired. When I was a teenager, I, was, I really, I was really inspired by um, Lenny Bro and and uh, still am, of course, but um, but some of the uh, some of the things that he he really he really developed that that ten technique um, to a real high high level. And then um, one of his contemporaries, Tal Farlow, which if you get any chance to check out some some videos, there's some video of those two kind of getting together and playing a little bit. Um, kind of need to see. I wonder if I have that probably on VHS. Somewhere I should digitize that. Um, but um, Tal Farlow, um, he would do like single lines, like whole solos doing that. So that's pretty cool. All right, everybody. Um, thanks so much for watching um, and uh, appreciate your support and support. And um, um, every uh sort of interaction uh so on at least on youtube or really anywhere um just watching is is helpful to the channel uh or i shouldn't say just watching but simply watching on the channel uh watching the videos is helpful for the channel um share with your uh friends who play guitar or who want to learn guitar and um Engagements like uh, hitting the hitting the like button, um, of course, subscribing, uh, and all that very helpful for the kind of the growth of the channel. And um, so, I appreciate appreciate all that. Um, and I hope everybody has a has a great day. Also, taking um, taking a lesson, you know, from time to time or or even regular lessons um, that can help me give get an indication that um, that the the uh, the pursuit on the on the internet is uh, is something you know um, that's helping folks out. So um, John John says thanks for braving the cold and the basement studio. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, I have this little infrared light, not infrared light, but infrared heater that's kind of up above me. So that does help. Um, I probably should have turned that on a, um, a little earlier than I did. So now I'm feeling kind of okay, feet are cold, but my fingers are feeling a little warmed up.
<laughs> but I appreciate that, John. Uh, thanks for watching. All right, everybody. I will uh, see you all in the, the next video and uh, hopefully keep an eye out for, for Rose Room video. Hoping, um, or I'm going to create a goal to get that out at least midweek or by the end of end of the week. So um, have a great day. Have some really good practice sessions, and I will see you all in the next one.